You are listening to Armchair Theology, a theological podcast for untheological people. Join Pastor Stephen from Bayview Bible Church and Dr. John McMath of Moody Bible Institute as they walk through the basic beliefs of Christianity, talk about what they mean, and why it matters for us today. Hello, everyone. Good to see you on this fine day. Hope you enjoyed the rain yesterday. I am joined by my co-host, Dr. McMath, and of course, I am Stephen, pastor at Baby Bible Church, and we hope that you're listening to us right now, perhaps on our podcast, or you might be watching us on our video feed that's happening probably tonight at Thursday at six o'clock. So, hello, Dr. McMath. How are you doing today? Pastor, how are you doing today? You know, I'm enjoying some, uh, some wet weather. Yes, I am enjoying it too. I am enjoying it especially because I've been doing a lot of yard work this past week and weeds have been the big thing that I've been dealing with, obviously. And pulling the weeds has been a real bear, but the rain yesterday makes the ground nice and soft. It does. So late yesterday evening and that kind of last hour of light around 7.30, 8 o'clock, I went out, the rain had stopped. And I pulled some more weeds and they just came out that, nice that. and easy. And Don't I was you like, like that. I love it. So no, I tried to. That's it. What about you? Have you been doing uh, uh, any outdoor work or what? We've got a couple of goats. Mm. Kathy and Mark and the kids have goats. That's right. And uh, they, once in a while in the spring, they farm them out to us and we'll fatten them up with leaves. There you go. And so the leaves have started growing. Thimbleberries are their favorites, and okay. those have started coming up. And the rain it was just wonderful. When I went out this morning, I was finding green stuff everywhere. Yep, that's true. The world it is, is kind definitely of fun to feed goats. I tell you, I tell you, it's, it's a relaxing thing, and it's a good way to get rid of leaves if you don't want too many leaves sitting around. I guess there is that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, another thing that I noticed is, I guess you can always tell what kind of day a person is having based on their coffee situation because most yes. weeks you have the coffee and I don't have the coffee right but last week I brought my a game and I had my coffee with me but today no coffee neither of us have our coffee which is kind of sad but it's, I don't understand what happened hey it happens though it happens though that's all I can say so <laughs> all right well let's get going with what we're going to talk about today we are continuing on with our armchair theology series, and I guess this is the third week that we've kind of officially begun this new foray into <laughs> theology and talking about the basics of Christian beliefs. And so far we talked about, I think our first week we discussed the question, who, was a, who is a theologian? Which we figured out is, oh, that's everybody. Everybody. After that, we kind of moved into this new subtopic of theology, which we call bibliology, the study of the Bible. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun. We got into a little bit of discussion about missions and how does God reveal himself, the difference between general and special revelation. Today, we are continuing on with that topic. We are going to remain in this bibliology area, and we're going to talk about a big word that I imagine Christians probably hear this word a lot and comment below if you hear this word and maybe even let us know if 
you hear this word and you don't know what it means. Because I think a lot of people sometimes use it. They definitely hear it. But if they were asked on the street, hey, can you explain the meaning of this word? I think a lot of people, even me at some points would be, uh, well, mm, it's kind of, you know. And that word, Dr. McMath, is inspiration. Yeah. We talk about the fact that the Bible is not just the word of God. We pastors love to say that the Bible is the inspired word of God. <laughs> and so as I'm kind of prefacing this topic, the reason why we wanted to cover this is one, it's one of the biggest, I guess, vocabulary words within bibliology. You can't talk about the theology of the Bible without talking about inspiration. Yeah. But also because there was a great comment during last week's video that I think we have to address through this, which is, okay, Stephen and Dr. McMath, it's, it's all well and good that we're talking about how God reveals himself through the Bible and that's special revelation. But when I tell my non-Christian friends that, all they say is, well, the Bible was just written by men, just like everything else was. Sure. The Quran was written by humans, just like the Bible was written by humans, and so was the Book of Mormon. Yep. What makes the Bible inspired? That seems rather convenient as opposed to <laughs> these other religious books. And that's a great question. So we're going to have to deal with that today. Yeah, that's a, that comes at it from the, uh, the point of view of apologetics. Um, really, we have to, uh, on one level... Define what we're talking about. What what exactly are we as Christians claiming? Uh, the more important question, what is the Bible actually claiming for itself? And then apologetically, we have to ask the question, what is the, uh, what is the evidence uh, or the logical argument uh, that uh, would support the claim that the Bible is inspired but the Koran is not? Now, that gets actually about, uh, quite a bit more uh, complex. Uh, the, the Koran also claims to be words from God. Sure, yeah. Do uh, they actually claim to be, do they use that word inspired? They don't use a word. So no. that's a really more Christian thing. The that's, fact that we call it the inspired, that's a... That's a very Christian thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, the Koran claims that uh, the angel Gabriel revealed words to... Muhammad, which he then recited. Recited? He recited. He is supposed to be illiterate. Mm -hmm. uh, if he existed at all, uh, he was uh, supposedly illiterate. It's not very likely, but that's, that's the story. Mm -hmm. uh, and then his followers memorized all of this, and then uh, 200 years later it was committed to paper, uh, and uh, all of the variants were burned either by uh, Othman, like uh, 75 years after the death of Muhammad, or by a later guy, one of the Umayyads, uh, 200 years afterwards, depending on whose tradition you believe. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, so the, so the Quran does sort of claim uh, inspiration. Interesting. I, that's just something I never thought of. Do other religions talk about inspiration or have this doctrine of inspiration like Christianity does? Yeah. It sounds like they, they do by default, but maybe they don't yeah, call they, it such. They just say, oh, yeah, then Muhammad they, they went out. Home, and, holy books. Holy books. And so the Quran is one of the most famous non-biblical holy books out there, just as far as the ones that people know. Yep. The Book of Mormon would be another well-familiar yep. one. Yep. Are there any that I'm forgetting right now? Any other? Oh, yeah, tons of them. 
Well, what would be some examples? Oh, the uh, Bhagavad Gita or the, uh, uh, the Egyptian Book of the Dead. They, you know, they, they're, they're, mm-hmm. there are lots of books. Out there. These books that are called holy that people claim, oh, this is not just any book. This is a book that is from the gods. Yeah. And so that's, you've been using this word apologetics. And I think a lot of people watching this know what apologetics <laughs> is. We're just talking about, when, when we talk about apologetics, we're talking about really kind of the science of defending Christianity. Yeah, there's a, it's a, art and science both. Of, Definitely. Uh, the, the, the defense of authentic uh, Christianity. How to logically argue it and also how to point to the evidence that, that supports yeah. it. Yeah, the, the, the two parts that you bring up there are, are important because on, on one level we're looking at evidence. Uh, and, yeah, that's hard stuff. Primary sources, archaeology, history, mm-hmm. that, that stuff is evidence. Uh, and logic is how we connect the dots. Yeah. Uh, and what is true? Uh, what if, makes if a thing true? is true, it ought not contradict anything else that is mm-hmm. true. Yeah. The right way to think. What is objectively yeah. reasonable thinking? Yeah. So you may be wondering why are we talking about? I thought we were talking about inspiration in the mm-hmm. Bible, and now we're going off on apologetics. Well, they're actually very connected and very important. They actually are. Because when we talk about what inspiration means, we say, well. You should believe the Bible and not other books because the Bible is the inspired word of God. What yeah. are we saying? What What would you give maybe as a definition of inspiration, the inspired word of God? Well, the Bible gives us a, at least two different uh, spots. Uh, the Second Timothy 3.16 is very classic. Uh, if, uh, if you you got a King James version back there. Yeah, why don't you turn to that? Open up a Bible tab if, if you're yeah, watching this open or if you're up listening. A Bible tab. Yes. Let's, let's see. Well, if some I've Bibles got a Bible tab here. <laughs> some Bibles actually have those little tabs in them yeah. too, so if, yeah. it, it works both ways, I guess. Yeah. So Second Timothy three sixteen. I've got the ESV in front of me, but I remember my King James. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable. Mm for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. The man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. So inspired is... That's a, a key word in that it's verse It's a there. key word, mm-hmm. and it's actually kind of a troubling word. Because How so? the the Greek here mm-hmm. is... Uh, well, I've forgotten the Greek. I'll have to look that up sometime. Uh, but the, the translation of the ESV is good. Breathed out, or God breathed. Interesting. So when you were quoting the King James Version, you said all of God's word is inspired, which I'm guessing is probably partly where this term inspiration probably comes from. Probably people looking at that verse partly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But inspiro is a Latin, uh, and the Latin Vulgate mm-hmm. came up with uh, inspiraro. The Vulgate, uh, yeah, the Latin translation yeah, of the Bible, yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's it. An awful lot of our theological words used to be Latin. Yeah. I mean, most of our just English vocabulary, in some ways, you know, a, a lot, lot of it of comes our, from Latin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the theology particularly, mm. because we forget. I mean, even Bibliology. The Middle Ages yeah. happened. Yeah. Uh, and most of the most important doctrines of Christianity were discussed, argued about, defined, and mm-hmm. hammered out into mm-hmm. paper and ink yeah. in Latin. In Latin. We forget that. We think that 
nothing evangelical has happened of any value except in the last three <laughs> or four weeks. Yeah. Uh, when, uh, when in yeah. fact, this has been going on for thousands of years. And yeah. Not, anyway, okay. So, so, but so you bring up the interesting without point. without a very good translation, and uh, actually, the the best translation would be expired. Expired, because not inspired, inspired but expired. Is breath that comes in. And expired is the breath going out. Okay. But we don't want to say that the Bible is expired. We really don't. That's bad that marketing. That sounds like it's gone past its That's bad PR, yeah, yes. That's, that and enough people work. already think that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. Uh, so we do use the word uh, inspiration. Uh, and it speaks of God's words. God's, He's breathing he it out. breathed out the words. Hmm. They yeah. produce dust. I wonder, and I'm not meaning to put you on the spot here, maybe yeah. you know, but a, a fun word study would be to look into that and see what other places in the New Testament does that word breathed out or inspi- inspire? Just one spot. That's the only spot. So, all right, I'm glad I put you on the spot yeah. then on that. That is really telling. Whenever you find a word, that that's the only time it's used in the New Testament. That's always a good thing to notice because it, it shows that Paul specifically wanted to use that specific word to say, hey, what I'm writing to you... He wanted what... to say something that uh, uh, nobody had ever quite said before. Yeah. And there's really three main things that are being said in that verse that I think are good to talk about when we talk about this idea of the inspiration of God's word. First off, that even though Paul's writing, what he's writing is coming directly from who God is. Yeah. It, however that looks, that, that's going to be more conversation for us to have later. But when Paul's writing, this isn't just some guy named Paul saying, oh, well, I feel like writing this and this sounds good. No, this is God-breathed, therefore we're going to call it inspired. But it's not just what Paul's writing. It's all Scripture. So all the way back from Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way through the Old Testament, up through what these other guys are writing about the life of Jesus that we're later going to call the Gospels, including what Peter's writing to you over there, including what I'm writing to you. This is all God. One of of my favorite uh, New Testament supports for what you're saying there is, uh, it's also in 2 Peter, uh, that uh, Peter talking, the false teachers. So these false teachers twist the scripture. They even misunderstand the writings of, uh, of of our good brother Paul. And they twist his terms as they do the rest of the scriptures. And that's so important. That's a favorite passage it, yeah, in apologetics. And actually in our church apologetics class that we did earlier this year, we, we did that. We, we looked at that verse because it's it's so powerful to see Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, pointing to what Paul wrote and calling what Paul wrote scripture equally to the rest of scripture up to that point. That's a major endorsement. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. And so, and, uh, you know, when Jesus was alive, he, he said to his, his guys, I'm not going to be with you always, but I'm, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And he will guide you into all the truth. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was talking to his apostles there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a separate argument to include Paul in that, but Paul is clearly included in that group. Mm-hmm. The apostles specifically were given the responsibility of putting down on paper the the truth 
that the Holy Spirit was revealing about Christ. Mm-hmm. That's what the New Testament is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, and it's on equal par with the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. yes. Equal weight, and just it is just as profitable for teaching. Which, imagine being a Jew living in Corinth or whatever other city that Paul might be writing to, and hearing Paul say this in his letter to Timothy. So I guess this would be maybe in Ephesian, if we're assuming Timothy is going to yeah. eventually serve in Ephesus and Paul's writing to Timothy. But if you, maybe you're a Jew... And to you, the as a Jew, the big teaching books are like Leviticus and Isaiah and these really meaty, powerful, oh, this is where real teaching comes yep. from. But then to hear Paul say, all that I'm writing to you right now, as well as these other things that are being written from the apostles, yep. is in equal uh, strength to the Old Testament as being breathed by God, but also is equally profitable for teaching. Yep. I find that very interesting because I think we have to use a verse for the opposite effect now to convince people to read their Old Testament. I, I feel like Paul was giving that as a as an argument to say, hey, you should be listening to what's what I'm writing right now. It seems like as a pastor, a lot of times I have to say, hey, I know that you love just reading Romans and Ephesians and Philippians, but you really should check out Ezekiel or, or Daniel or, or, or one of these books, maybe one of the minor prophets. All scripture is God breathed. With, uh, with my Italian churches, I've been going through uh, Habakkuk online. That's right. And I watched, you did your first one yesterday? yesterday yeah. yeah, I watched that. And it was, I would recommend that you guys watch that, not just because Habakkuk being a minor prophet, there's just so much good stuff that, that's going to be in Habakkuk. I love Habakkuk the minor prophets. It's such fun. <laughs> and I, I want to talk, I want to make this a Habakkuk let's podcast yeah, right now, but I recommend Habakkuk. you watch it, especially the first episode, mostly for the ancient history that you use in the intro. I thought that was particularly good so thank you well, thank yeah. you very much mm-hmm. one of the ways that you can tell that the bible is inspired yes is that it gets the history right hmm you look at other other books let's let's beat up on the book of mormon for a moment. okay okay the book of mormon that can sometimes be an easy one but yeah it, it, yeah, yeah unfortunately this, this yeah. is a fat one that we can knock over yeah. the fence uh, mm-hmm. because it's so obvious the book of mormon claims mm-hmm. to be words from god yeah uh, and and yet it it gives detail of history that didn't happen. Uh, some pretty incredible details of history that didn't some, happen. Yeah. Some pretty important details of history that just didn't happen. They didn't. They don't come anywhere close. Things like the dispersed Jewish tribes that somehow yeah. ended up in North America. Yeah, ended up in North and America. Jesus coming to the Native Americans. And they spoke and, Reformed Egyptian of all things. Yeah. Why? Yeah. In a, and so you look at that and you say, all right, it claims to be inspired, but the details don't work out. Yeah. Is it we tr- should expect the details to work out. You would, you would think so. And isn't it true, this could be an old wives' tale, maybe you've heard of this, but is it true that BYU, Brigham Young University, Mormon School, is one of the best places you can go for uh, North and basically American archaeology? Oh, yes. Isn't that, I find that very interesting. They've, I don't want to say uh, a funny they've got out the of the best department on the, on the continent because you would think they, because were, they were really interested in that. They're motivated yep. to try to find stuff and they really haven't. They haven't found a thing. They claim that they found a few things, but not, not, none, not really. None of it no, works. No, none of it works. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah. They, that's not their main motivation anymore. Uh, you know, quite frankly, mm-hmm. it's a secular department. 
Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, the guys that I've run into who do mm. work for them are just secular archaeologists and they're professionals. And they so you're even familiar with some people and, oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's a bad program, but it's an interesting, the fact that it, it comes from that school. It's an excellent program. If, yeah. uh, if I had a student who was saying, well, you know, I'd really like to study, oh, say, Inca yeah. architecture. Yeah. Archa I, I, uh, Brigham Young, that's the place. They've got the program. Yeah. University of Pennsylvania has another good one. Interesting. All right. Pennsylvania. <laughs> Woohoo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> good old Ben Franklin's <laughs> University of Pennsylvania. But okay. to yes. inspiration. We have a way of always making each other go down rabbit trails, I found. Maybe that, that's what yeah, makes us a good team or a bad team. I don't know. We chase each other yes. through these yes. things. <laughs> but hopefully you guys enjoy it a little bit. But, yes, I, you're right. Back to – I guess it's up to them. Uh, I guess so. We'll see the, the views dwindle, and then we yeah, get back to the topic. Got, okay, now we're, now we're back on it. Okay. So let me ask you this about inspired yep. and talking about this word inspiration – I think the word being inspired, because we call this the doctrine of inspiration, yep. that opens up the possibility for Christians and non-Christians to really misunderstand what the inspiration of the Bible really means. Yeah, I, I, I think this is, uh, uh, this is true. What theologians mean by inspiration uh, is that God claims to have superintended the human writers of scripture mm -hmm. in such a way that the written product mm -hmm. is the words of the human authors and the exact words of God. Yeah. That's that's the way we define it technically. As opposed to the way that the people see the word today, which I think if there's like some eighties rock ballad you're the inspiration, yeah. you know, love songs. I think that's a Chicago song, actually. And uh, Or people say, oh, you are such an inspiration, yeah. or oh, you inspire me. This is so me. inspiring. It's so yeah. inspiring, and that we can misunderstand this to mean that, oh, this was written by maybe a guy named Paul who, he was so godly, yeah. he was so in tune with the spirit that, what he was able to write was just a cut above what other people were able to write because he, like yeah. Shakespeare, we, we would call Shakespeare inspired. He just had this ability to write poetry and plays in a way that no one else had. We'd say, oh, well, that's what the Bible is. And that's, that's actually that's not, not true. That's not true. That is that's not wrong. true. Yes. Yeah. Big uh, thumbs we, down. With so many words, uh, we have to be careful about how we're defining it. And this this will lead me naturally and inevitably down uh, six different rabbit trails. So you don't really want me to go there. Uh, but we have to be careful about definitions. Uh, I'm uh, I'm reminded of uh, of the scene in Princess Bride where uh, Inigo Montoya is talking mm -hmm. to. Uh, That's an inspired Sicilian. movie, not just <laughs> just and an inspiring just movie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what's the Sicilian's name? My wife would know. Kimmy's yeah. going to be sitting in the she living room. She's going to go, yes, it's, it's, it's this, it's this. Um, and the Sicilian is, is always using inconceivable. Yeah, that guy. That would be utterly, in every other way, inconceivable. Yeah. And Inigo says, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. 
<laughs> great quote. Great line. It's a, from it's a really, really important quote because there's so many terms that we use yeah. in passing. Yeah. Uh, faith, grace, hope, glory, praise, you name it. Biblical words that we really ought to understand that actually belong to God's people. And we misuse them all the time. I mean, you go to Hobby Lobby and they just turn into decoration words now. You just see them on signs and little things that you put on. It's just a, you know, faith is a cute word now. Like there's just something about, oh, faith. Okay, I'm going to put this on my... got to believe in yourself. And we just don't really know what it means. Or inspire, I think, definitely fits into that category of cute word. Sounds uh, good. Fits on a motivational poster. With a cat in a rainbow. With a cat in a rainbow or a dolphin. Yes. Inspire. That's not it. It's something else that inspiration isn't. Okay. uh, Is uh, dictation. What do you mean by that? There's a this is a popular theory uh, goes all way way back uh, all the way to the uh, all the way to late antiquity uh, the the Around earliest church oh yeah. way before yeah. then oh okay uh, the idea that uh, God simply used the human authors as uh, secretarial staff Paul take a letter. And so Paul brings his, his notebook and he says, yeah, yes, I'm, I'm ready. And he takes it down in shorthand and then has it typed up. Uh, and we call that the dictation theory. Uh, it's so like the, God pacing back and forth in the office, like those old movies, maybe, and the secretary writing yeah. everything down. And that's what God was doing. And they're just... Yeah, dear Ephesians, yes. et cetera, et cetera. Here in Corinth, we're having a problem. You know how to put that. And, and that's you know, not what That's it, not what we're talking about interesting inspiration is not simply god putting words into the mouths of okay the uh, uh biblical authors so i'm getting a little confused now i'm playing devil's advocate a little bit but i'm, I'm a little confused now because it seems like we're contradicting ourselves oh. maybe not contradicting but it seems like we're going between two extremes where we say well wait a second when we say that the bible inspired is inspired we're not saying that the authors are just these inspiring people who inspiring. know more than the rest. But on the other hand, we're not saying that God is just verbatim dictating these words that like robot secretaries are writing it down. Yeah. So if it's not the one extreme and it's not the other extreme, what is it? It's both. Isn't that awful? I just hate it when that happens. That sound is me pounding my head if you're listening on the podcast. Okay. So yeah. how, how could it be both? Well, let's... Let's I think there's a verse, actually, that we there, could... I okay. think there's a verse we could go to. <laughs> you guys see how we're working here. We yes. can go. I, I, my favorite story is Balaam when we do this. but I'm Which we sure. already talked about Which a little bit. Which we already bit. talked about. And That's a great... Uh, so at this point, here's the footnote. CF, the Balaam conversation six weeks ago. Okay, mm-hmm. that won't go back on that. Because we covered it. Uh, that. You're right. Balaam was a, was a bad guy. Uh, but it, yeah, he uh, spoke good uh, words. Second, yeah. uh, Second Peter one, uh, end of uh, end of the chapter. I got in trouble with it. I sat in class with Dr. Ryrie, yeah. Charles Ryrie, yeah, great and, theologian. Uh, I, I love Charles Ryrie. He just died a few years ago, or yeah. maybe it was longer than I thought. But yeah, yeah he great. Was, he great definitely theologian. old enough for all practice. He was in his nineties. Yeah, yeah, he was a. But but what a guy. 
yeah. and uh, he beat up on me once uh, for <laughs> quoting this verse. Uh, it was, there were 300 seniors in a, in a room when we were supposed to stand up and, and quote a verse about inspiration. Okay. And he was just calling on us randomly, and I was like number 26 in line, and it was my turn. And so I quoted this from memory, and I quoted the, uh, uh, the King James which is Second Peter chapter one, because I 21. need to. Second okay. Peter one twenty one. Okay, 121. go for it. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay, carried so there's along. there's two two things going on here. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. So Paul oh, didn't just. He wasn't just sitting on a boat out somewhere in the Mediterranean, and he goes, you know what? I really ought to tell the, the people in Philippi. I just, I keep thinking about this. I'm, I'm going to tell them about this, I think. That will be a good letter for me to write today. Yeah. But, but, the, but yeah. that is, in fact, a great deal of what happened. Paul in some ways. responding yeah. to the actual needs of the moment. Yeah. He was out on a boat in the middle of the Mediterranean. The fish weren't fighting that day. And he said, you know, really, I think I need to get some letters written. Perhaps so, from his perspective in the moment. From but his that's perspective not in all the moment, that it was. But that's not all That's important, was. yes. They were carried along. Now, when I think of carried along, tell me if this is right or wrong. I think of my time as a kid, young teenager. I would love to go on float trips with my grandfather. We'd go yeah. down the Potomac River. And we'd be in the canoe, or sometimes I'd even, I would just lay on my back or put on some kind of life vest, and I'd just let the, the current k- k- kind of fall by. And I would be paddling, and I would say, okay, I want to go check out these rocks over here, or I want to check this out over here. But no matter how much I was deciding where the boat went, yeah. there was one thing that was always true of the boat. It was always going this way. If you're watching on the video, you can see my hands. Pushing me. the current yeah. was pushing me. It was yeah. carrying me, and I could feel like I was the going river where I wanted is to. Going this way, you're in the river, so and it's you're going to go that yeah. way. You've got this too. So it's like this great marriage where I do have control. I I'm in a boat with a paddle, and and I am choosing to go where I want to go. But underneath all that, actually, quite literally, underneath all that. It is the current that is carrying me along. Would you say that's fair, or are there some things yeah, that? That's that's fair. Uh, that that's a good way to look at it. Uh, the uh, uh, the Greek here is usually used of uh, a sailboat. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, so what what? Oh, why does a sailboat go? Well, the the sailors point it the direction they want to go, but it's borne along by the force of the wind. Yeah. This is the point where theologians like to introduce a concept called confluence. Interesting. Uh, confluence, uh, this idea of two like things two coming coming together. Hmm, okay. Well, because what there, do you are, mean? there are two forces that are both going to be entirely present and entirely independent, and yet working together to produce the finished product. One force being the will of the author, like Paul or Peter. Like, like Paul or Isaiah. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Yeah, and Old the Testament other, author. And the other yeah. being the, God. the movement of God. God 
through the power of his spirit is doing this thing. Mm -hmm. And so the result is the word of God with everything that we would expect from the word of God. Now let's, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. Because let's talk about that a little bit because I can understand how it may initially seem very confusing, but I think if we actually look at the Bible and compare it to other holy books, we actually see this play out a lot. And the biggest piece of evidence that I would give in support of this idea of confluence or this doctrine of inspiration is if you look at books that are written by Paul, you can tell that they were written by Paul. Yes. You really can. And in the same way, maybe the Gospels are, are maybe one of the most famous examples. You read Luke, especially the first few verses of Luke. You are reading like this prestigious, classical, well, it's like every syllable and word. You could like his personality as a physician and as probably a Greek of some sort, a Hellenist of some kind is coming out as, as opposed to perhaps Mark or as opposed to perhaps Matthew, where you can see the, the personality. You can really see personality differences. The human personalities come out in the, in the style, in the vocabulary, in the choice of subjects. Uh, and so uh, Mark, was a, Mark was essentially a servant. He was, he was Peter's gopher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what a spectacular ministry he had. Just writing down the stories of Peter. Just, just that, and then going to do stuff. Yeah. For he ended up planting churches up and down the coast yeah. of uh, Dalmatia, Italy. right? Isn't yeah, that where he yeah, did something? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Aquileia, uh, Venice, Ravenna, and mm-hmm. Rimini can mm-hmm. all claim yeah. to have been planted by yeah. uh, Mark. Yeah. Who had a great guy? Anyway, uh, so, but, but Mark's writing is uh, just the facts, man. Just the facts. It's you know, quick. He, he, Let's he, go. He, he, it would be great for Twitter. You know, the 140 characters yeah. or less. And then Jesus there, did this. Done. Yes. But immediately. Uh, yes. Done another one. Yes. And right away. You know. Where Matthew or Luke, that's more like WordPress <coughs> or Tumblr. Like, let me write for you this long blog post about this teaching of Jesus. <laughs> that, well, first, let me give you the genealogy first. You can't really know until you have the genealogy. Well, that but, would be Matthew. But then Luke. Luke is the historian. I love Luke. You guys who go to Baby Bible Church know that I love Luke because I've, I've preached probably the most out of Luke. Well, definitely out of all the other Gospels, and at this point, the most out of all other New Testament writings, I would say. Yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. I love him. Uh, he, Luke, after... Because, uh, Luke is the most careful mm-hmm. with his historical, geographical, yeah. political... Yeah. You know, he, so, and you can like see that. He's a good historian. Yeah. Uh, he takes yeah. pains yeah. Yeah. to make sure that every footnote is exactly where he wants it to be. Uh, uh, that can that yeah. could get tedious if if you don't mm-hmm. enjoy reading history. Yeah, uh, you know it could get yeah. tedious. That's a great example. Uh, other examples would be Paul. If you ever hear someone preach on Paul, a word that he or a phrase that he loves to use is. By no means. La, by la, la. no means. Ah. Shall we such and such by no means? Or an, I think another one is, do you not know? Um, I, I think he uses that one a lot. Uh, yes. Do you not know uh, John, uh, who wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, he's always, he's like this big, warm grandpa. He's always calling people children, my children. He's always using the word love. Yeah. 
we could spend all day. It's yeah. fun, actually, yeah. I think, yeah, talking about that. But it brings up a great the, point. These guys are so different, and yeah. they've got such different personalities, different vocabularies. Yeah. I can I can open up the, the New Testament at random and yeah. tell you who I'm reading. Uh, just from Without the, knowing, but just looking at the language. You just can. looking at the language. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, Even in the Old Testament? You think you could do that in the Old Testament? Uh, most of the time. Like if I was to read something from Amos, who I think Amos was yeah, like a yeah. farmer, Amos perhaps. Is so yeah. Amos is too easy. Oh, too Oh, well, I am no, so sorry, Dr. McGrath. Let's, let's do one of the hard ones. <laughs> yeah. but let, let's say you open Isaiah and then yeah. you open Ezekiel. Yeah. They are so different. Mm. Uh, and it's a personality thing between Isaiah I love hearing and that Ezekiel. Yeah. Uh, or you read, uh, open up anything, any place in the Pentateuch and compare that to any place in the primary history, say First Kings. Yeah. Pentateuch being what? That's Genesis, Exodus, Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy. The first yeah. five books. Yeah. Okay. The Torah. obviously wrote that. You can see the classical style, and there's a precision mm-hmm. to it, and he does what mm-hmm. he's doing. And the uh, something like Second Kings was written probably by one of the prophets. We don't know who. Maybe yeah. Jeremiah. Yeah. I, I like yeah. that. The romantic, yeah, 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 would like it to be Jeremiah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you, you can see the style is different, yeah. The words are different. The vocabulary is different. Words that happen all the time in the yeah. Pentateuch are like rare in mm. the primary history. Why is that? Well, because mm-hmm. they're written by different guys, yeah. And yet you compare the theology, you compare the the points that matter, yeah, and they're totally consistent all the way through the scriptures yeah that for me as a young person when i was really when i went beyond initial salvation as like a four-year-old and i was becoming a teenager and trying to really evaluate my faith and christianity and thinking what makes this different from just me doing something else that was a big thing that really stuck with me just probably because i loved history but just recognizing and i'm limited in my old testament knowledge like like most people are but, but just to say, wow, uh, Peter, he, he, he was a fisherman. But then there's Paul, and since he was like a little kid, he was being trained as a Pharisee. And then there's Luke, and I, you know, my Sunday school teacher says that he was like this Greek person. And, and, but then there was Moses, and different centuries, yeah. different millennia even, yeah. and all different walks of life. Yet, as you said, their theology is consistent. Yeah. And it's not just consistent because we want it to be consistent. It's so abundantly clear. Yeah. Um, it's so they're abundant. All, they're all tracking the same signal. Yeah. They're all you read Galatians, yeah. following the same yeah. orders. You read Genesis and you hear God giving these promises to Abraham and, and then you turn to Galatians and you see hundreds and hundreds of years later Paul breaking that apart and saying the same exact thing. And, and, and in yeah. Romans, he explains, this is what this means. This still applies for you. The, and the, the complex consistency yeah. at the level of trivial detail yeah. is an evidence uh, for it's, what we should probably call divine inspiration. Divine inspiration. Uh, it was obviously written by human authors. Yeah. But at the same time it was written by human authors, it was governed by uh, carried along seen by carried along by the spirit of god uh, so you you end up with a 
with an internally consistent, logically complete, mm -hmm. uh, detailed, yeah. and accurate yeah. uh, book. Uh, you expect, when you re when we go back to Luke, as, as, mm -hmm. uh, as Luke follows Paul Great through the yeah. book of Acts, uh, yeah. you've got tons of specific yeah. notes names of people, titles, He's uh, so good. locations, yeah. all of this. Uh, and uh, there's so much detail that if he was just making it up, it would be so easy to check. Yeah. Again, it's, yeah. Yeah. I hate to beat up on our Mormon friends, but let's beat up on our Mormon friends. Well, not on our Mormon friends, but unfortunately on the religion yeah. that they claim is true. Because I they, have a lot of Mormon friends claim, that I love, but I do too. my heart breaks for them because... They're believing something that cannot, like Christianity, be put next to evidence. This can't be demonstrated. And yeah, exactly. It, it can't be demonstrated. Uh, you follow follow Luke along through the journeys of Paul, and all of the details work out. Yeah, yeah. Names of specific Roman government officials that change from this spot to this spot because they're crossing a border. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Luke just knew that. And uh, uh, the critics have said, oh, that can't possibly be true. Look at this inconsistency. And then you go and check it out. And yeah. lo and behold, Luke was there. He was on the ground. He really knew these things. Yeah. Um, That's so and powerful. It, and it's more than that. Mm -hmm. we, we see that kind of consistency all the way through the whole Bible. Yeah. Which, if you don't mind me asking, you mentioned the romantic in you. I feel like this is maybe a little bit of me coming out. <laughs> Why... If we could speculate, and I think we maybe we can a little bit, why would God choose to reveal himself? We talked about the fact that God is a God who reveals himself. He does it generally through nature, but also especially through yep. these things. Yep. Why would God choose to do it this way? Why wouldn't he just drop some tablets on the ground or, <laughs> or tell Moses, okay, you know, turn Moses into a robot and just have his hand like a finger on the wall and Daniel and just write out exactly what I want? Why... What can we take as Christians that is on a spiritual level? That is such an important uh, issue. That is the, the key to the whole thing. Yeah. Um, God came down to Moses on Mount Sinai, you know, the burning bush. And Who are you? God I am that I am. Yes. What do you intend to do? Moses, I... I've heard the cries of my family, and I've seen the persecution. I've remembered my promises to them, and I've come down to save them. Now you. Yeah. Uh, uh, me? Yeah. <laughs> Who yeah. am I? What are, yeah. what are you doing with me? What are you talking to me for? Yeah. Look, Moses, I don't really care who you are. It doesn't matter who you are, because I'll go with you. But, 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 but how am I going to do a thing like that? Moses, you dummy, what have you got in your hand? Uh, stick? Good, we'll start with that. Throw your stick down, snake. Pick up the snake. I don't want to pick up the snake. Pick up the snake. Stick. See that? I'm going to do bigger stuff. Because Moses, it's not about you, it's about me. God intends to do great things in the world for his glory, through his people. Yeah. 
He's not sitting in heaven doing this arbitrary thing. That, oh, by the way, yeah. there's the Bible. Yeah. We and did that, or die. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, he produces the Bible by sending men and women in precisely the way that he did salvation. God could have sat in his heaven and said, I think I'm going to save uh, 2,127,003. Zap. Those are the ones. Take those to heaven. Uh, let me know when you've got that done. Uh, and then we'll start hell. Yeah. Uh, but instead, he sent his son to become a man and actually live a life. And it's everything that you're explaining right now. The word that I just keep thinking in my head is relationship. Yeah. Relationship, yeah. which I, I don't want to make too much of a blanket statement, but you look at other people who are claiming to write something that is holy. Yep. They tend to fall into two different extremes where they say, I am God. And what you're hearing from me is basically God's voice because I'm claiming to be God. Yeah. Or it's someone saying, oh, I'm nothing but this God gave me this thing completely separated from me and he wants me to deliver this gold tablet or whatever yeah. to you. And I think naturally, if I was a person wanting to try to convince people of a certain writing, those would be one of the two categories that I would go to where me being somehow involved in what God is doing, that would not be where I started. I would just say, oh, this God did it on his own or I am that God doing it on my own. But God says, I'm going to show my power. I'm going to show my love, not just for my benefit, but also for your benefit, because I am a good God. I'm not just a powerful God. I'm a good God. Yeah. And I want to be good to you by revealing myself to you and also giving you the privilege and the glory, the true glory of you delivering information about me and my presence to other people. Right. One of the most beautiful displays of that was when Moses, he's on the mountaintop getting this literally from God, and he comes down and his face is glowing. But it, today, our faces are not necessarily glowing, but within us is the very presence of God through the Holy Spirit where God says, you will now come down off the mountaintop. You will go out into the world and yeah. people will see me through you. Yeah. That's how God so wants to the communicate. the point of the glory of God. Yeah. Yeah. God created us and then redeemed us so that he might be visible yeah. in the world. Visible through us. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the scriptures do that. God made himself visible in his word through Paul and John and Isaiah and Moses. Through living human beings who were having a life struggling with problems, making decisions, mm -hmm. and writing it down. Every tribe, every tongue. I mean, in a limited sense in the writing of Scripture, but still very broad. If we were to go down and talk about all the different kinds of people that wrote the Bible, it's, it's a fun study. That's a fun podcast episode <laughs> in of itself. But just think that even at this moment, as a result of that ministry of the New Testament, where Jesus says, you will now be my disciples, you will be my witnesses throughout the world, all across the planet right now, in almost every tongue, almost every tribe, not all of them yet, but people are worshiping God right now in their own tongue. 
they are telling other people about Jesus in their own tongue, yep. and God is glorified by that. Yep. This chitter-chatter, this, this planet of Babel, all these different voices that before were causing confusion, now they're all different chitter-chatter pointing to who Jesus That's is right. so that there can be a mosaic in heaven of different kinds of people, and God said, I used each and every one for my singular glory. That's going to be such fun. It's going to be a blast. You know, don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. And we're all going to get to heaven and we're going to wonder, he made it? And then that person's going to be looking at us in the same way going, is that is that Stephen? Yeah. Mm, I tell you, I tell you. I know better. <laughs> <laughs> well, if this isn't a good place to end, I don't really know what It'll is. It'll have to do. It'll have to do. It'll and the good thing do. is that we're not on a time limit here. We we can, or I mean, we're not on a schedule necessarily. We can always pick up with more topics in the weeks ahead. But we hope that this little discussion about what inspiration is and what it's not uh, is something that not only helped you guys in your knowledge uh, about the Bible, but even more so, hopefully, inspires, if I dare say, uh, <laughs> your... Your recognition of just the very character of God. Here's you along. Yes. Your understanding. To know that we can love and know God and worship him because of the way that he works, using different kinds of people in different places, in different ways to point to himself. So I have to thank you, Dr. McMath. Thank you, as always, for joining us. And thank you to all of you for watching. If you haven't already, we please encourage you guys to find us either on Google Play or on the iTunes podcast store. Our show is available in podcast form. And if you subscribe to it, that's really going to help us. If you're watching this on Facebook, another way that you could really help us is by sharing this. Uh, we've had a pretty good run these past few weeks. And a big reason for that is because you guys have really embraced this and shared it with other people online. We really ask you guys to do that because we want to teach. We want to equip with knowledge, but it's also so that we can use it as so hope you guys stay safe out there things are slowly opening up we are getting there and maybe what next week we can have it looks like in idaho we're going to be pretty much open in a lot of ways people can get haircuts again so, oh yes. boy, no more botched back alley haircuts yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note have a good evening everyone we will see you next week goodbye bye-bye Thank you for listening to Armchair Theology. To listen to our podcast, go to iTunes on your computer or the Apple Podcast app on your phone or tablet and click subscribe. If you follow us on Facebook, go to our page and like us to stay up to date with our content. New podcasts air every Thursday morning, and our Facebook show airs at 6 p.m. on Thursday evenings. You can watch us on Facebook and YouTube, and you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and all other podcast hosting services. See you next week. Thank you.